ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so last week we began in the chapter of the prayer and we were speaking about the times of the prayers and we mentioned some of the beginning ahadith or the opening ahadith regarding the times of the prayers. So we'll continue from that now with the hadith of Jabir radiallahu anhu. وَالْعِشَاءُ أَحْيَانًا يُقَدِّمُهَا وَأَحْيَانًا يُؤَخِّرُهَا إِذَا رَآهُمْ اجْتَمَعُوا عَجَّلْ وَإِذَا رَآهُمْ أَبْطَأُوا أَخَّرْ وَالصَّبْحُ كَانَ النَّبِي صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يُصَلِّيهَا بِغَلَسٍ In this hadith Jabir رضي الله عنه narrates that the Isha prayer remember we were talking about the times of the prayers and when it is better to pray each prayer within its time and we mentioned about Asr how they used to pray early and it was mentioned about Fajr being prayed early now with the Isha prayer, in this hadith it is mentioned that sometimes the Prophet ﷺ would pray the Isha early, at the beginning time. And sometimes he would pray it late, towards the end time. So sometimes towards the beginning time, and sometimes towards the end time. If the Prophet ﷺ saw the people have gathered together, the congregation has come together, then he would pray it early. But if he saw that the congregation has not come together yet, and they are still entering the masjid, they are still walking in, then in that case he would delay it. And that's what the hadith mentions. Uh, and that he used to pray the Fajr prayer, بِغَلَسْ That will come to in the explanation also. So here then, we mentioned earlier the Shaykh said, قَدْ سَبَقَ فِي أَصْلِ الْحَدِيثِ أَنَّهُ يَسْتَحِبُّ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ أَنْ يُؤَخِّرَ مِنَ الْعِشَاءِ We already mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ used to like to delay the Isha prayer. The Prophet ﷺ used to like to delay the Isha prayer. وَلَكِنَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ أَنْ يُشُقُّ عَلَى أُمَّتِهِ However, the Prophet ﷺ disliked, disliked, to make a burden upon the people. He liked to delay the Isha prayer. But at the same time, he disliked to make it a burden upon the people. Therefore, what would the Prophet ﷺ do? It's mentioned, إِذَا رَآهُمْ If he saw that the people have already gathered together, the congregation is already at the beginning time of Isha, they are all there and they are ready and they've gathered. Then in that case, he would pray the Isha early, in the beginning time of Isha. So that he didn't make a burden upon the people, even though they've all gathered and they are together waiting to make them wait and wait till the last part of the time. If he saw them all gathered together and congregated, then he would pray the Isha at the beginning time. Even though he used to like to delay it. The Prophet ﷺ used to like to delay it. But if he saw everybody's together and ready, then he wouldn't make a burden upon them and make them wait and wait. In that case, he would pray. 
وَلَكِنَّهُمْ يُقَدِّمُ الرِّفْقَ بِالْمَأْمُومِينَ عَلَى الْفَضِيلَةِ So the Prophet ﷺ would give priority to demonstrating this uh, gentleness towards the congregation rather than the virtue of delaying the Isha. So as not to burden upon the people. However, if the Prophet ﷺ saw إِذَا رَآهُمْ أَبْطَأُوا فِي التَّأَخْرِ وَالْحُضُورِ أَخْرَى if the Prophet ﷺ noticed that the people haven't gathered together yet, they are slowly gathering together, coming in, and the congregation hasn't come together yet, they haven't all got together yet, they're slowly coming one by one. In that case, he would delay. In that case, he would delay the prayer because there's no burden. The people haven't got together yet, they're still getting together, they're still coming. So in that case, he would delay the prayer until they did all come, and then he would pray the prayer at the delayed time, wasallam. وَقَدْ كَانَ يُحِبُّ ذَلِكَ عَلَيْهِ صَلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ فَيَكُونُ ذَلِكَ مُوَافِقًا لِرَغْبَتِهِ فَدَلَّ هَذَا عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْإِمَامَ يُرَاعِي أَحْوَالِ الْمَأْمُومِينَ فِي صَلَاةِ الْعِشَاءِ وَفِي غَيْرِهَا This therefore indicates, Shaykh Fawzan, Hafizahullah says, that the person leading the prayer, he needs to take into consideration the people who are behind him. He needs to take into consideration those people who are in the congregation, the ones that are being led by him i.e. to make sure that he's not placing a burden upon them by delaying it too much, to make sure that he looks after the needs of the people. فَإِذَا رَآهُمْ اجْتَمَعُوا فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَحْبِسُهُمْ بَلْ يُعَجِّلَ الصَّلَاةِ مِنْ أَجْلِ أَنْ يَنْسَرِفُوا And that's why the shaykh says, if the Prophet ﷺ used to see the people have already got together, then he would pray and he wouldn't keep them waiting, sitting there for the prayer. He would pray and allow them to leave. لِأَنَّ بَعْضَهُمْ رُبَّمَا تَكُونُ لَهُ حَاجَةً It could be that some of them have some need, they need to go to. Uh, and it could be that some of them are not able to burden the length of waiting. And it could be some of them may become tired. Isha being the final prayer. It could be some of them become tired, etc. And it could be some of them, they need to leave for other reasons. They're not able to stay there waiting for a lengthy time. So if the Prophet ﷺ saw that the people were gathered, then he would pray and he wouldn't burden them by making the prayer delayed, even though that's what he liked to do, to delay the Isha prayer. But if they were gathered, he would pray. If they weren't gathered and they were still coming slowly, then okay, he would delay the prayer as he used to like to do. Then after that, وَالصُّبْحُ كَانَ يُصَلِّيهَا بِغَلَسٍ وَالْغَلَسَ الْمُرَادُ بِهِ الظُّلْمَ إِذَا اخْتَلَطَ مَعَهَا ضَوْءُ النَّهَارِ وَمَعْنَاهُ أَنَّهُ كَانَ يُبَادِرُ بِصَلَاةِ الْفَجْرِ عِنْدَ دُخُولِ وَقْتِهَا كَمَا يُفِيدُ قَوْلِهِ قَوْلُهُ فِي أَصْلِ الْحَدِيثِ يَنْفَتِلُ مِنْهَا حِينَ يَعْرِفُ الرَّجُلُ جَلِيسَا فَدَلَّ عَلَى أَنَّهُ يَدْخُلُ فِيهَا وَالرَّجُلُ لَا يَعْرِفُ جَلِيسُهُ مِنَ in the ghalas. The ghalas is the darkness with a little bit of light in it. The darkness with a little bit of light as it starts to appear at Fajr. Meaning therefore at the early time. So the Prophet ﷺ would pray the Fajr at the early time. So now we've come to understand that the Fajr is to be prayed at the beginning time. The Dhuhr is to be prayed at the beginning time. And we'll come to more details regarding that too yet. The Asr is to be prayed at the beginning time. The Maghrib, that is at the time of sunset, and the person should pray to that time. And Isha, it is preferred to delay it. However, if there is a burden upon the people, then you pray it early at the beginning time. <laughs>
Then after that there is the hadith of Abu Musa. من حديث أبي موسى فأقام الفجر أو من حديث أبي موسى فأقام الفجر حين شق الفجر والناس لا يكاد يعرف بعضهم بعضا. That the fajr prayer would be established when the fajr it broke open, when the fajr occurred, and the people could barely see each other, they could barely recognize each other. Meaning therefore, it's very clear that the fajr prayer was being prayed at the beginning time. Because it was still very dark and the people could barely recognize each other. Indicating that the sun hadn't come up yet or it wasn't very close to coming up yet. It was at the beginning time of the dawn. It was still very dark. Lightness had started to appear but it was still very dark. And that's why it's mentioned in the hadith that when the Fajr prayer was prayed, they could barely recognize each other due to the darkness. لِأَنَّهُ كَمَا عَلِمْتُمْ فَإِنَّ مَسْجِدَ رَسُولَ because the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ at that time, it didn't have lights in it, and it wasn't uh, uh, lit up in any way. So they used to pray in the darkness of the night. So this hadith indicates various affairs the Shaykh says, and these are the benefits of it. Firstly, حِرْصُ الصَّحَابَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ عَلَىٰ حُضُورِ الصَّلَاةِ مَعَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَىٰهُ وَسَلَّمُ حيث إن أحدهم كان يأتي لصلاة العصر من أقصى المدينة وإذا صرف لا يصلي لا يصل إلى رحله إلا في آخر وقت صلاة العصر من بعد المسافة. From the benefits of these ahadith that we've covered now, one of them is, as we mentioned last time, the enthusiasm of the companions and the keenness the companions had to pray with the Prophet ﷺ in congregation. Also. فِيهِ فَضِيلَةُ صَلَاةِ الْعَصْرِ فِي أَوَّلِ وَقْتِهَا The virtue of praying the Asr prayer at the beginning time. Also, فِيهِ فَضِيلَةُ تَأْخِيرِ صَلَاةِ الْعِشَاءَ عَنْ أَوَّلِ وَقْتِهَا The virtue of delaying the Isha prayer unless there was a burden upon the people. Also, فِيهِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى أَنَّهُ يَجِبُ عَلَى الْإِمَامِ أَنْ يُرَاعِي أَحْوَالَ الْمَأْمُومِينَ وَأَنْ لَا يَشُقَّ عَلَيْهِمْ also, there is an evidence in these hadith that the person who is the imam needs to look after the congregation and not to burden them, but to look after the congregation and to take into consideration their needs. For example, you may have a group of people who have gathered together in the congregation and they are elderly people, for example. So the imam, if he notices there are many elderly people in the congregation, then it is not from wisdom to elongate the prayer to a lengthy level, whereby you're going to burden these elderly people, they're not able to stand for that long. These are the types of things the scholars they mention, the imam needs to look after the congregation, and to have wisdom in how he performs the prayer and conducts his affairs. Uh, also, في الحديث, دليل على كراهة النوم قبل العشاء. We also mention from these hadith, the disliking of sleeping before isha. Because a person may go into deep sleep and miss the Isha prayer. Also we mentioned the disliking of staying up after Isha and talking and wasting time in that way. Because then a person may miss the Fajr prayer or he may miss the night prayer. So again that was something that was disliked unless there was a reason to do so, a lesson or something of that nature. Also in the hadith is the virtue of praying the Fajr prayer early. As we mentioned they used to get together and it was still dark. And also, 
في الحديث دليل على مشروعية تطويل القراءة في صلاة الفجر فإنه صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يقرأ بستين إلى المئة مع ما عرف من قراءته صلى الله عليه وسلم من الترتيل والتأني والوقوف على رؤوس الآيات دل على أنه يطيلها Also in this hadith is an indication that the Prophet Sallallahu used to elongate the Fajr prayer. He used to elongate the Fajr prayer to make it lengthy through recitation of 60 to 100 ayat. And it's known about the recitation of the Prophet Sallallahu that he used to recite an ayah at a time, bit by bit with the proper recitation. So that all indicates that the prayer would have been lengthy. Also with the hadith where it mentioned that the people they used to come in and they can't recognize each other, but when they used to leave the fajr, they could recognize each other. Indicating that they came at the beginning time and it was still very dark, then the prayer was lengthy. And by the time they finished, now the light had started to appear a lot more. So they could recognize their companions. That's the benefit so far up to those narrations. Now something to do with the Maghrib prayer. We've spoken about the Fajr prayer being early. We've spoken about the Asr prayer to be prayed early. We spoke about the Isha prayer to be prayed late. But if there's a burden upon the people, then also early. Now something to do with the Maghrib prayer. عن رافع ابن خديج رضي الله عنه قال كنا نسلم عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم المغرب فينصرف أحدنا وإنه ليرى مواقع نبله متفق عليه This hadith which is agreed upon by Al-Bukhari Al-Muslim رافع ابن خديج رضي الله عنه he says that we used to pray the Maghrib prayer with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم we used to pray the Maghrib prayer with the Prophet ﷺ in congregation. Then we would leave, and after finishing the Maghrib prayer, we would be leaving, we could still see where the arrow lands. If you have a bow and arrow, and you shoot the bow and arrow, the arrow flies out and it goes a long way, and it lands in the distance. They say we used to finish the Maghrib prayer, and even then, if you were to fire your arrow, we would be able to see where it lands. Which indicates that it was still quite light. Which indicates, therefore, that the Maghrib prayer was being prayed right at the early time. That's another indication from this hadith, that the Maghrib prayer, the Prophet used to pray it at the early time. To the extent this example is given, that even after the Maghrib prayer, they could see where the arrow lands, and it lands at a distance at a far place, but they could see where it lands, so it was still reasonably light. The sun had set, but it was just as it had set. So there was still light in the horizon, etc. You could see where the arrow lands. All of it indicating that the Maghrib prayer, it was prayed at an early time. After that, An Aisha radiallahu anha qalat, A'tama Rasulullah sallam thata laylatin bil'isha. حتى ذهب عامة الليل ثم خرج فصلى وقال إنه لوقتها لولا أن أشق على أمتي رواه مسلم This hadith in Sahih Muslim now gives more evidence regarding the Isha prayer. It gives further evidence that the Isha prayer it is preferred to delay it and to pray towards the end time to the third of the night or the half of the night. This hadith in Sahih Muslim, the hadith of Aisha says that on one occasion, 
the Prophet ﷺ, he delayed the Isha prayer. The Prophet ﷺ delayed the Isha prayer. أي أخر صلاة العشاء حتى دخل في العتمة وهي ثلث الليل الأول. He delayed the Isha prayer to the third of the night, to the, to the end part of the time. Then he prayed at that final part of the time when the night had already gone now, the night had gone into it, it was the third of the night. He delayed the Isha prayer up until that time and prayed it on that occasion at that late time. Then he said, the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّهُ لَوَقْتُهَا On that day when he prayed it late, afterwards he said to them, this is the actual time. إِنَّهُ لَوَقْتُهَا This is the time for the prayer for Isha. However, لَوْلَا أَنْ أَشُقَّ عَلَىٰ أُمَّتِي Was it not for the fact that I would burden the people? Meaning all of it together, he said to them, this is the time for Isha. Only problem is that it would be a burden upon the people. This is the time for Isha. Was it not for the fact that I would burden the people? This is the hadith in Sahih Muslim. This is the time for Isha. Was it not for the fact that I would burden the people? So that is the preferred time. And that is the, the more virtuous time to pray the Isha prayer, to delay it. But again, as the hadith makes it clear... If there was burden upon the people, then it is not done. So this hadith indicates various affairs. It indicates therefore, that the majority of the time, the Prophet would pray the Isha prayer early or late. Early. Most of the time, the Prophet would pray the Isha early at the early time. Because in this hadith it mentions on one occasion, on that one night, he delayed it. On one night he did delay it, and on some other nights he delayed it. But that was not the majority, that was the rarity. So on this one occasion it was delayed, uh, but he didn't used to do that regularly. He used to do it sometimes. Uh, and therefore the Shaykh says, as we already mentioned previously too, that was the Shaykh mentioned previously, that it is permissible and correct and more virtuous to delay the Isha prayer as long as there is no burden or difficulty which compounds upon that. There's not going to be any burden or difficulty upon the people, then delay the Isha prayer to the later time. فَإِذَا كَانَ الْإِنسَانُ يُسَلِّ وَحْدَهُ بِسَبَبْ أَنَّهُ مَعَذُورٌ عَنِ الصَّلَاةِ جَمَاعَةً وَكَذَلِكَ النِّسَاءَ فِي الْبَيُوتِ الَّتِي لَا تَجِبُ عَلَيْهِنَّ الْجَمَاعَةِ وَأَنَّهُ صَارَ عِنْدَهُ جَمَاعَةً يَتَّفِقُونَ مَعَهُ عَلَى تَأْخِيرٍ وَلَيْسَ هُنَاكَ غَيْرُهُمْ فَإِنَّ تَأْخِيرَهَا بِنِسْبَةَ لِهَؤُلَاءِ أَفْضَلٌ The Shaykh gives examples of when people should pray late. Examples of when people can pray the Isha prayer late. And there isn't any burden. He says, for example, an individual who is going to pray by himself at home. For a legitimate reason. Maybe some individual, he is not able to go pray in the jama'ah for some legitimate reason. He's going to pray at home. Whatever that reason may be. The distance to the masjid, he doesn't have any transport, he's not able to walk there, etc. There may be some legitimate reason, illness or whatever it is. There could be some legitimate reason as to why a person is not going to pray in the jama'ah, he's going to be praying at home that day. In that case, if he's praying at home, he has now the option to pray when he wants. So he may as well delay it. In that instance, the shaykh says that's a good thing. Somebody who's praying by themselves for a legitimate reason, 
he could delay the prayer and pray the Isha later on and that would be good and more virtuous. Similarly, the Shaykh says the women. The women, it's not an obligation for them to go to the masjid and pray in the congregation. They pray at home. So again, if the woman is able to delay, then it's good for her to delay and pray towards the last time, towards the later time, rather than praying it early and then afterwards carrying on with whatever jobs or other things may be occurring in the house. It's better that the woman, if she's going to be awake and she knows there are certain jobs and things that need to be done around the house, and she's going to be awake for a period of time yet, then she may as well delay the Isha prayer to the later time. Pray towards the end time, two hours, three hours later, when the jobs are going to finish, etc., whatever it is, and then pray the Isha. That's virtuous, better. Similarly, the Shaykh says, if there was a group of people, and they all got together to pray in Jama'ah, and there was no other masjid, there was no other congregation, maybe there's a group of people live somewhere where there is no masjid. So they all get together one day at somebody's house, for example. There is no masjid, there's no congregation to go to. So they all decide, let's pray it late. Let's implement the sunnah and pray it later. Good. The shaykh says, that's good then. So in these instances and other examples, a person delays the isha prayer, and that is good and virtuous. في الحديث دليل على استحباب تأخير العشاء أن أول وقتها إلى ثلث الليل إذا لم يترتب على ذلك مشقة بالمأمومين فإن ترتب مشقة كما قلنا فإنه لا يجوز له التأخير If however the sheikh says there is going to be difficulty like in the masjid then it's not permissible If there's going to be difficulty upon the congregation then it's not permissible for the imam to delay it and delay it and make everybody wait المسألة الثالثة The third issue is that this hadith, it indicates the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ towards the people. في الحديث دليل على رفقه صلى الله عليه وسلم بأمته وشفقته بهم وأنه لا يرضى بالمشقة. It indicates the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ, the, the compassion rather, the compassion. That's the better word. The compassion of the Prophet ﷺ towards the people and the believers that he doesn't want to put any burden upon them. Uh, and that's why he mentioned in the hadith, this is the time for Isha. Was it not for the fact that there would be burden upon the people? And because there was burden, then often, as it's mentioned, the Prophet would pray the Isha prayer at the early time. So that's the Isha prayer. Better to delay it, but pray it early if there is difficulty. Fajr prayer, pray it early but elongate it. Asr, pray it early. They used to pray early and get back to their homes and the sun was still alive. As we mentioned, uh, Maghrib, to pray it early to the extent they could still see their bow and arrows, where the arrows they land after they shoot them, even after Maghrib. Now, with regards to the Dhuhr, there's going to be some details that are going to be mentioned about Dhuhr. That's the only one that we haven't spoken about in terms of the details of when to pray in the time. Here then the hadith of Abu Huraira, radiallahu anhu, qal, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا اشتد الحر فأبردوا بالصلاة فإن شدة الحر من فيح جهنم متفق عليه This hadith which is also agreed upon by Al-Bukhari and Muslim رحمهم الله The hadith of Abu Huraira رضي الله عنه He says that the Prophet وسلم said If the heat becomes severe If the heat becomes severe then cool yourselves with the prayer. And we'll come to the explanation of what that means now. If the heat becomes severe, then cool yourselves with the prayer. Because indeed the severity of the heat is from 
the hellfire. What does this hadith mean then? If the heat becomes severe, i.e. at the time of Dhuhr, it's known that the hottest time of the day is at Dhuhr. When the sun is at the middle of the day or just past that now, that's the hottest time of the day. So particularly in summer, in the countries, in the Arabian Peninsula, in that area, in the summer months at the peak of the day at Dhuhr, it's the hottest time of the day. Man is zero aware, it can get to 50 degrees over there. Even these days now, 50 degrees, 55 degrees in summer at Dhuhr time. Even up to 60 they mention on some occasions. So this is mentioned that if the heat is severe at that time, فَأَبْرِدُوا بِالصَّلَاةِ Then cool yourselves with the prayer. Meaning, delay the dhuhr prayer. Because as soon as the sun starts to move down past the middle point of the day, goes past the middle point, the zenith, then that is the hottest time of the day, around about then. Here the hadith says, if that heat is severe, then, أَبْرِدُوا بِالصَّلَاةِ Cool yourselves with the prayer, meaning, delay the dhuhr. Don't pray it at that middle peak time of the day, just past the peak, when it's so hot. Delay the dhuhr prayer until it becomes a bit cooler. When will it become a bit cooler? When you start getting towards the end of the time for dhuhr, which is when the shadow is equal. So when the sun starts to move across and across and across and the shadow is just about to become equal, it's right at the end of the time for dhuhr. At that time, it's going to obviously be cooler then when the sun just went past the middle point. At that time, it's going to be the hottest. So the hadith says, at that point, if it's severely hot, delay the prayer. Allow the sun to move further down and down until the shadow is just coming up to being the same length. So you're still in the time of dhuhr yet. Within the time of dhuhr, doesn't mean delay it and go beyond the time. Delay it to the end time of dhuhr. وَالْأَفْضَلْ تَقْدِيمُ صَلَاةِ الظُّهْرِ فِي أَوَّلِ وَقْتِهَا This indicates... That the better thing to do is to pray dhuhr when? Early. Because this hadith, it's like an exception. It says, if it's severely hot, then delay it. Otherwise, if it's not, then pray it early. So again, this indicates that the dhuhr prayer should be prayed at the beginning time as well. Uh, However, if there was a situation where it's extremely hot, then as this hadith mentions, you can delay that uh, prayer towards the end time of Dhuhr so that it becomes a bit cooler. Because the Prophet ﷺ gave the explanation that the severity of the heat it is from the boiling of the hellfire. It is from the boiling of the hellfire. إِنَّ شِدَّةَ الْحَرِّ فِي الصَّيْفِ مِنْ فَيْحِ جَهَنَّمِ وَالْفَيْحِ الْمُرَادُ بِهِ الْغَلَيَانِ That this heat, the severity of it is from the boiling of the hellfire. تَغْلِي وَتَفُورُ بِالْحَرَارَةِ that it boils with the heat. وَقَدْ أَخْبَرَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ أَنَّهَا اشْتَكَتَ النَّارُ إِلَى رَبِّهَا مِنْ شِدَّةِ مَا فِيهَا مِنْ الْحَرَارَةِ وَالْبُرُودَ وَالزَّمْهَرِيرِ فَأَذِنَ اللَّهُ لَهَا بِنَفَسَيْنِ نَفَسٍ فِي الصَّيْفِ وَهُوَ أَشَدُّ مَا تَجِدُونَ مِنَ الْحَرِّ وَنَفَسٍ فِي الشِّتَاءِ وَهُوَ أَشَدُّ مَا تَجِدُونَ مِنَ الْبَرْدَةِ It's mentioned that the hellfire has two breaths, you could say. Two types. One is the severity of the heat. And one is the severity of the coldness. And the shaykh mentions the severity of the heat is what you experience in the summer. And the severity of the cold is what you experience in the winter. And Jahannam, the hadith says, min Jahannam. Jahannam is one of the names of hellfire. And some of the scholars, they say that it's not actually an Arab, Arabic name. 
It's uh, a name that was taken uh, from some other languages. They mentioned perhaps Persian, etc. Uh, and some of the scholars say no, that it is actually an Arabic word. But that's one of the names for the hellfire, Jahannam. Uh, in the Arabic language, Jahannam, Jahuma, it indicates darkness. Indicates severe darkness. So Jahannam means those pits of darkness where there is no light. And that's one of the descriptions or the characteristics or what's mentioned regarding the hellfire. And that's one of the names of it. So this hadith indicates that the dhuhr prayer should be prayed early. If, however, there was severity of heat, then it can be delayed to be prayed at a later point. And it's mentioned in another hadith that there were some occasions where it was so hot that the companions, they were unable to put their heads down onto the ground for prostration. The ground was so hot that it was impossible to put the forehead down onto the ground from the severity of the heat. So in that hadith it is mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ allowed them to put some cloth down in order to pray. So in this other hadith, it's mentioned that the companions, they were unable to put their foreheads down onto the ground from the severity of the heat. And so they complained to the Prophet So they then prayed on some cloth, put the side of their thobe down, etc. and prostrate upon that. But that would indicate that they were still praying in the heat. Whereas this hadith says, if the heat comes, then delay the prayer. So how do you combine between the two narrations? One of them says that it was so hot that to put down some cloth and they prayed. The other one says, if it's that hot, just delay the prayer until the later time. So how do we combine between the two? Why didn't they just delay the prayer in the first hadith? Instead of putting the cloths down. And Shaykh al-Fawzan, he says, there is no contradiction. He says, the reality is, and you'll know this if you go to the Arabian Peninsula, even at the end time of Dhuhr, when the shadow is about to become the same length as the object, even at that time, just before Dhuhr, or just before Asr, the temperatures are still going to be somewhere close to 15 summer. That's the reality. If you go there, you'll recognize that. And if you go to some desert area, it will be difficult to put your forehead down onto that heat of the sand. So here in that first hadith, they had delayed it. But still, after delaying it, it was still very hot to the extent that they needed to put down cloth. So this doesn't mean that they were praying at the early time with the cloth down. They were praying it later. But it was still so hot that they had to do that. So there is no contradiction between the narrations. Now also in the hadith, we realize that the source of this heat, it is from the hellfire. And that's mentioned uh, about the severity of the hellfire. Uh, in a hadith in Sahih Muslim, it says that the companions on one occasion, they heard a noise. And the Prophet said to them, Atadruna mahada, Do you know what this is? They said, Allah wa Rasuluhu a'lam. They said, Allah and His Messenger know best. قال هذا حجر رمي به في نار جهنم منذ سبعين خريفة الآن وصل إلى قعرها. In Sahih Muslim it mentions that when they heard this noise, they said to the Prophet we don't know what it is. The Prophet then said to them, that is the sound of a rock that was thrown into the hellfire 70 years ago. It's only just got down to the pits now. That's the severity and the depth and the size of the hellfire. 
So that's what's mentioned regarding the Dhuhr prayer. That is good to pray it early again. That's preferred. However, with the severity of the heat, it would be possible to delay it towards the end time. After that, we have another hadith of Rafi' ibn Khadij radiyallahu anhu qal. قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أصبحوا بالصبح فإنه أعظم لأجوركم رواه الخمسة وصححه ترمذي وابن حبان This is a hadith which indicates that the fajr prayer should be delayed before we spoke about the narrations that were clear that the fajr prayer is prayed early However, this hadith says, أَصْبِحُوا بِالصُّبْحِ فَإِنَّهُ أَعْضَمُ لِأُجُورِكُمْ أَصْبِحُوا meaning arise, pray your morning prayer with the dawn, i.e. towards the end time when the sun is up now, it's coming up, it's just about to come up and the light is there. So this hadith seems to indicate you're supposed to delay the fajr prayer towards the end so that you pray your fajr prayer and then just after the sun starts to come up. That's what this narration seems to indicate. Because it says, إِنَّهُ أَعَظَمُ لِأُجُورِكُمْ That is greater for you in your reward. And this is what some of the people, they cling on to this narration. Uh, some of those individuals who claim to be Hanafis, and in reality most of them haven't got a clue, but they claim that they are Hanafis, and so they take this narration, uh, 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 and based upon this narration, they then delay the Fajr prayer to an extreme level to right at the last po- uh, point. What do we then do about this narration or how do we understand it rather? فَالْحَدِيثِ يَدِلُّ فِي ظَاهِرِهِ عَلَى تَأْخِيرِ صَلَاةِ الْفَجْرِ The Shaykh says, Shaykh Fawzan, Hafizahullah, the Hadith seems to indicate you're supposed to delay the Fajr prayer. وَجَاءَ فِي رِوَايَةَ أَسْفِرُوا بِالْفَجْرِ And in another narration it says, أَسْفِرُوا بِالْفَجْرِ meaning allow the sky to become bright and yellowy, i.e. pray at the last time, pray right towards the end of the time of Fajr. Uh, and the Hanafis, this is the opinion that they take. The opinion of the Hanafi Madhab is to delay the Fajr prayer towards the end time. The Shaykh says, however, we've already covered previous narrations that were saying, you pray the Fajr prayer at the early time. The hadith that said, وَالنَّاسُ لَا يَكَادُ يَعْرِفُ بَعْضٌ بَعْضًا The people, they used to come and they could barely recognize each other. It goes so dark, that indicates they were praying at the beginning time. And also the hadith we just mentioned, كَانَ يُسَلِّهَا بِغَلَسْ That the Prophet used to pray the Fajr in darkness. All of those narrations, they seem to indicate that the Prophet used to pray the Fajr prayer at the early times. So how do we understand this narration أَسْفِرُوا بِالصُّبْحِ أَوْ أَصْبِحُوا بِالصُّبْحِ فَالْجُمْهُورُ حَمَلُوهُ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْمُرَادَ بِهِ أَنَّهُمْ تَأَكَّدُوا مِنْ طُلُوعِ الْفَجَرِ لَأَنَّ بَعْضَ النَّاسِ قَدْ يَسْتَعَجِلُوا فَيُسَلِّي قَبْلَ أَنْ يَطْلَعَ الْفَجَرِ لِذَا فَنِرْزَ سَلَمْ يَقُولْ أَصْبِحُوا يعني لا تُسَلُّوا حَتَّى يَدْخُلُوا الْإِسْبَاحِ وَالْفَجَرِ الثاني. The majority of the scholars though, they say the meaning of this narration is أَصْبِحُوا بِالْفَجْرِ meaning be certain that the time for Fajr has entered. Don't pray so early that the Fajr hasn't even started yet. We mentioned there's the false Fajr and there's the true Fajr. Asbihu bil Fajr doesn't mean delay it until it's almost time for sunrise. It just means make sure you are in the time of Fajr now. 
Fajr has started when you start praying. Asbihu bil fajri. This is what the majority of the scholars, the jumhur, they say. The meaning of this hadith is, وَخُلَاسَةُ الْقَوْلِ بِأَنَّ صَلَاةُ الْفَجْرِ يَدْخُلُ فِيهَا مُبَكِّرًا فِي أَوَّلِ وَقْتِهَا وَيُمَدَّدْ فِيهَا بِالْقِرَاءَةِ وَلَا يُنْصَرَفْ مِنْهَا إِلَّا بَعْدَ الْإِسْفِرَارِ وَمَعْرِفَةَ النَّاسِ بَعْضٌ بَعْضًا وَبِهَذَا تَجْتَمِعُ الْحَدِيثُ كُلُّهَا So the shaykh says, the combination, the way to combine between the evidences is to say clearly, you have many narrations that say that the Prophet ﷺ used to pray Fajr in darkness. So that's what you do. You begin the prayer at the early time. But then you extend the recitation so that when you finish, it does start to become light outside. And that way you combine in between all the narrations. And that is the, the, the principle in Usul al-Fiqh. To try to combine between the narrations rather than take some and abandon others. If you only take this narration now independently and say, you're supposed to pray Fajr late. Then what about all those other narrations that they used to come and pray Fajr? It was dark. They couldn't recognize each other. What do we do with all them then? Then that's not the proper way. The majority of the scholars, they said, actually combine between the narrations. How do you do that? By praying early, but then extending the prayer, as it's mentioned, the Prophet some 60 to 100 ayat. And by the time you finish with that extended prayer, then it will be light after you start, uh, after you finish the prayer. So you will be implementing the other narrations about the uh, lightness coming now with the Fajr. As soon as you finish, that's where you'll be. So in that way you combine between all of the narrations and that's the opinion of the majority of the scholars that you pray it early but it's elongated and lengthened so that you finish at the time closer to Fajr, uh, to the uh, sunrise. After that, Anabi Hurayrata radiyallahu anhu qala Rasulullah مَنْ أَدْرَكَ مِنَ السُبْحِ رَكَعَةً قَبْلَ أَنْ تَطْلُعَ الشَّمْسُ فَقَدْ أَدْرَكَ السُبْحِ وَمَنْ أَدْرَكَ رَكَعَةً مِنَ الْعَصْرِ قَبْلَ أَنْ تَغْرُبَ الشَّمْسُ فَقَدْ أَدْرَكَ الْعَصْرِ متفق عليه ولمسلم عن عائشة نحوه وقال سجزة بدل ركعة ثم قال والسجزة إنما هي الركعة In this hadith ماذا حديث أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه says that the Prophet said Whomsoever catches one raka'ah from the fajr prayer before sunrise, whomsoever catches one raka'ah from the fajr prayer before sunrise, then he has caught the fajr prayer. Whoever catches one raka'ah before sunrise at least, then you've caught the fajr prayer. You've prayed it in its time. And whomsoever catches one raka'ah of the asr prayer before maghrib, before the sunset, then you've caught the Asr prayer, you've prayed it correctly. That's a hadith which is agreed upon. And there's a narration of Aisha radiallahu anha in Sahih Muslim, which is similar, but the wording is slightly different. Whoever catches a prostration instead of a raka'ah. So now what do these hadith mean then? We've already mentioned the shaykh says previously with regards to the time of the Fajr prayer, that it begins with the second Fajr, the true Fajr. So whoever prays between the true Fajr, all the way up until sunrise, that's the time for Fajr. If you pray anywhere within that, your prayer is correct. It's acceptable and it's correct. Even though like we said, it's better and preferred and more virtuous to pray at the beginning time and to elongate. But if somebody was late or whatever, as long as they pray from the true Fajr up until sunrise, anywhere in that time, even if it was at the end, the prayer is still correct. This hadith therefore says that as long as you catch at least one raka'ah, before sunrise, 
You begin your Fajr prayer in its time. But after one raka'ah, sun starts to rise. But that prayer is correct. You started it within its time. And you quote one raka'ah of it within its time. So therefore that prayer is considered to be correct and accurate. So then the shaykh mentions, whoever catches that one raka'ah before the Fajr prayer, then that prayer has been caught properly. One raka'ah is prayed in the Fajr time. The second raka'ah is going to be prayed outside the Fajr time. Sun is rising now, Fajr time is finished. But as long as you caught one raka'ah beforehand, then it's correct. And the same with Asr. As long as you catch one raka'ah before sunset, then it's accurate. Even though we said that would have been in the time of necessity. If somebody was praying the time of necessity, and even then they only managed to catch one raka'ah, as long as one raka'ah was caught before Maghrib, before the sunset, then that asr would also be correct and considered to have been prayed in its time. وعن أبي سعيد الخدري رضي الله عنه قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول لا صلاة بعد الصبح حتى تطلع الشمس ولا صلاة بعد العصر حتى تغيب الشمس متفق عليه ولفظ مسلم ولفظ مسلم لا صلاة بعد صلاة الفجر وله عن عقبة بن عامر رضي الله عنه قال ثلاث ساعات كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ينهانا أن نصلي فيهن أو أن نقبر فيهن موتانا حين تطلع الشمس بازغة حتى ترتفع وحين يقوم قائم الظهيرة وحتى تزول الشمس وحين تتضيف الشمس للغروب. The first hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri رضي الله عنه he says I heard the Prophet say there is no prayer after the Fajr prayer until the sun rises. After you've prayed Fajr then there is no prayer after that until the sun rises. Similarly, there is no prayer after the Asr prayer until the sun sets. And that is a hadith agreed upon by Bukhari and Muslim. These hadith now are going to start speaking about the times when it is impermissible, the times when it is impermissible to pray certain prayers. Before we mention that, we should also mention... Regarding the previous point, we said that if you catch one raka'ah for fajr in the time, or you catch one raka'ah for asr in the time, then that is complete. The prayer is correct. Some scholars, they even said, the shaykh mentions another point here, he says, some scholars, they even say, as long as you do the takbiratul ihram within the time, then the prayer is caught. As long as you say, Allahu Akbar, and begin... Within the time, imagine you say that, Allahu Akbar, and begin, then a few seconds later, sun starts to rise. You, you barely even started your Fatiha, and the sun has started rising now. But you said your Allahu Akbar before it started rising. Some of the scholars say your Fajr is correct. It's okay. And they say the same for Asr. As long as you say Allahu Akbar and begin, then the sun sets. You've said your Allahu Akbar before it set, then that prayer is correct too. Some of the scholars, they say that. However... The Shaykh mentions that this hadith uh, and uh, what the scholars have mentioned is that it is uh, uh, the raka'ah, the full raka'ah that a person must do in order for that to be caught properly. The Shaykh says there's a few other issues. يَتَعَلَّقُ بِهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ مَسْأَلَةٌ أَيْضًا وَهِيَ أَنَّهُ لَدَخَلَ عَلَيْهِ وَقْتِ صَلَاءَ كَوَقْتِ صَلَاةِ الْعَصْرِ مَثَلًا أَوْ وَقْتِ الظَّهُرِ ثُمَّ عَرَضَ لَهُ عَارِضٌ كَالْمَوْتِ
أو أن امرأة حاضت قبل أن تصلي فهل تقضي الحائض هذه الصلاة التي أدركت أول وقتها ثم حاضت Here there's an issue the Sheikh says There's an issue that comes up here now If the time for a prayer began The shadow is equal to its length So Asr time has begun The Sheikh says a woman for example who, Whose period begins But it begins after the time of Asr started the time of Asr started, the shadow of an object is equal to the object. The time for Asr has started, but she hasn't prayed Asr yet. She delays it for some reason. But as she delays it, then all of a sudden the period starts. Maybe halfway between the Asr time and the Maghrib time, she was about to pray now, but the period starts. So the period started after the time of Asr had already come in. Now the scholars, they say, once the period finishes, does she have to make up that Asr prayer or not? Because technically her period started after the Asr prayer time had started. So she could have prayed it. If she'd have prayed it at the beginning time, she would have prayed it. And the period would have started later. But because she delayed it, the period ended up starting. So she couldn't pray it then. So does she have to make it up or not? Do you everybody understand the question? Dhuhr, does she have to make up Dhuhr? Uh, sorry, not the Maghrib, Maghrib. Does she have to make up Maghrib? Obviously not, because the time hadn't even come. Her period already started. But Asr, the time had come. And her period started afterwards. So now, does she have to make it up or not? The Shaykh says there are two opinions of the scholars. One is that she doesn't have to make it up. The reason being, the time for Asr starts when the shadow of the object is equal to its object. And it ends... When the yellowiness of the sun occurs, upon that opinion that we mentioned. In between that time, is it permissible to pray anywhere in between those times? It is. It's better to pray it early, but if somebody prayed right at the end, it's permissible. We just mentioned the hadith now, as long as you even catch one raka'ah, your prayer is still correct. So it's permissible to pray it anywhere in that time. Therefore, if the woman delayed the prayer, and she was decided she was going to pray towards the end time, then is that a sin? Is that something wrong? Not really, it's not. It's allowed for her to do that. It's allowed for a person to pray later as long as it's within the time. It's better and preferred obviously to pray early as we mentioned the evidences. But if somebody delayed it, it's still allowed. It's not a sin or a wrongdoing or anything of that nature for somebody to have missed the early time and pray in the middle time or the later time. It's still prayed in the right time. So the scholar said therefore, a person has a choice. It's better to pray at the beginning as a sunnah. But if somebody for some reason delayed it, then that is still okay. So they say if the woman was delaying the prayer that day, for whatever reason, that was allowed for her to delay it. It was allowed, it's allowed to delay it and pray later on. So therefore, if the period started, it's not her fault. She was allowed to delay the Asr prayer, therefore she doesn't have to make it up. The second opinion though, uh, that some of the scholars they mention is, they say she has to make it up. Why? They say because the time for Asr had begun. And if she had implemented the sunnah, and the virtue of praying early, and she'd prayed at the beginning time, then that prayer would have been prayed, and her period would have started later on. So it was her fault for delaying it, she should have just prayed at the beginning time, which is like the sunnah and the virtue of praying at the early time. If she'd have done that, then that prayer would have been prayed, 
But because she delayed it and the period started, then she couldn't pray it. So they say it's her fault. They, she should have prayed at the beginning time, and therefore the prayer would have been prayed and the period would have started later. But because she delayed it and delayed it, the period ended up starting. So they say she should make it up. That's the second opinion. Sheikh Fawzan says, in his opinion, the stronger opinion is the first one. This is the opinion of Sheikh, Bimbas, uh, Sheikh Fawzan. And other scholars, they take the other opinion. But Sheikh Fawzan says, because it's allowed for her to delay it, and there's nothing wrong with that, it's still within the time, then she shouldn't have to make it up if the period started. She didn't know it was going to start there and then. So that's a difference of opinion between the scholars regarding uh, what to do in that kind of situation. Uh, the following ahadith now, we'll start them next time inshallah, which is regarding the times of the prayers, uh, the times where you're not allowed to pray prayers. There are certain times of the day where it's not permissible to pray in. Certain times of the day when it's not permissible to pray. In these early parts of the narrations, these are hadith we've been talking about the times when you are supposed to pray. And the best times of when you're supposed to pray. The next section we'll start will be about the times when you're not supposed to pray. The times of the day where those prayers are prohibited. So that inshallah we'll start with next week uh, on Saturday evening again. If there's any questions on that, we can take them inshallah.